My name is Jennifer Mills and I'll be talking about um, the work that I have on exhibition in Australian Contemporary Drawings on at RMIT Gallery. Um, just to give a, a, a context to this work, this work is um, figurative and more specifically it's of a figure, um, which represents a little bit of a shift in my practice. I'm, I'm going to presume that um, uh, I'm talking to people that don't have... Um, a history of my work is that I've, I guess I, um, I'm known for drawing animals and working with animals as a subject matter um, and essentially the work is it's, uh, it's been um, made in the same manner it looks very similar but um, the subject is obviously of a figure uh, the figure is me I just thought I might point that out because a student said, oh, I saw your work and it was a work of a drawing of a lovely lady. So I was like, but they didn't, hadn't quite kind of made the connection. But um, I guess my, thematically, I guess my core interest has been in overmarking, like rendering, you know, these highly crafted, highly naturalistic um, images in monochrome, in black and white. I use watercolour and then overmarking them with somewhat disrespectful, scribbled, um, consistently other marks. They're very much imposed marks. And I was originally, like way back to the, um, the inception of the idea, I was originally interested in, I was, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a bowerbird. I scour op shops and markets and, and I collected a whole heap of children's books. And originally I was working with the illustrations, um, black and white, very graphic. But I came, became more and more interested in the, the narrative imposed by the young readers who scribbled on them. And they were, um, girls' owns, boy, boys' owns from the 50s and 60s, so they were cheaply printed, black and white. And these young readers had coloured them in you know, made them more pretty. Um, or they'd been disrespectful. They'd drawn genitalia on them. They'd had conversations over them. And it seemed to me that the illustrations were, the original illustrations were, they, they were mute, that they couldn't speak for themselves. And their intended narrative was being completely subverted by this overlaid, imposed narrative. And basically... Um, it, it's an idea that in one sense, a shape or another, has dominated my practice over the last 10 to 15 years. And so for me, the shift to this figurative, this figure-based subject, is really just extending the same idea. And I chose the animals, I guess, because... Uh, without getting too kind of um, philosophical about it, there were some kind of animal rights, animal related issues involved with choosing mute creatures without language. Of course they do have language but from a human perspective we don't. And you know so I'm, I'm nothing but obsessive. I became also sort of somewhere with the animal thing I became interested in that sort of that duality and the duplicity and that the two roles that they were taking as both the animal and then I was dressing them up essentially and I at some point I started to get into the whole Batman thing and when I get into something 
I get obsessive about it. So the whole Batman and this idea of this character, this fictional superhero character, you know, leaving his, you know, um, everyday identity and becoming, you know, a, you know, a caped crusader. Um, so this kind of work has a little bit of both of those, that heritage in it. You can see the little bit of the bat ear and the black. Um, and you can see the overmarkings and you can see the initial drawing in watercolour. Um, and hopefully it's almost kind of, you know, I'm a little bit, as I said, I always pointed out, obsessive. But, you know, I, I work from photographs. And the reason why I work from photographs is because I want that detail. I want the viewer to get up close and personal and see the hairs, see the blemishes. Um, it's me. My partner took the photograph, the original photograph. Um, I'm hanging upside down from my children's double-storey cubby house outside. And I'm of an age that when I hang upside down, certain things don't defy gravity and they kind of fall. And you can see those kind of folds on my neck from the, the stress and, you know, I can see the nuances in the flesh, the way the face looks a little bit odd. It looks a little bit... And it's because I've inverted the photograph to draw it. Had you always planned to invert it? Yes, I had. I w and, you know, and partly it was that thing of looking, you know, having spent years looking through um, books for images of bats and they nearly always invert the image of the bat in, um, you know, these science books because bats hang upside down. But nine times out of ten you'll find an image of a bat in a book righted for our human context. And that... You know, I like that kind of thing happening too. Um, where the overlays and pattern... I mean, for a long time, the scribble. And I use this really juicy... So, you know, I'm a, dare I say it, craftsperson. I love the craft. Say it, say it proud. I love the craft. I love the craft of drawing. I love the doing. Um, I love the luxury of the materials. And, you know, there's something incredibly indulgent for me, letting it drip and bleed. And, you know, this pastel is the most, it's a sanilia, it's a French oil pastel. And it's just juicy goodness. It's, it kind of drips pigment and oil. And it's, uh, from a conservator's point of view, a nightmare. That's a whole nother story. But, um, it's kind of, it's really indulgent. Um, this is very restrained f in terms of colour for me. I can get quite animated with my palette and uh, quite, um, you know, go for the hot pinks and the the golds and... Uh, um, so that, that moment, you're talking about the craft which is quite measured and practised and experienced. <laughs> that moment, because I know those some of those fluorescent... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. go on a bit of paper before? Or do you, how do you Look, I've worked doing that? I've worked that out of my process. Originally, like 10 years ago when I first started overmarking with these scribbles and messing up my good drawing, because one of the important things is the drawing's underneath. And it always has been. And I've tried to kind of circumvent that a little bit, maybe cut corners. And it doesn't work. It always reveals itself that it's not there, even when it's covered. Um, so the drawing's there. So there's actually a lot more detail that I just kind of cover over. So originally, 
was a little bit precious about my beautiful drawing and I used to put acetate over it and trial it. Clear acetate. Um, I haven't done that for about 10 years because now the reward is in the the, the change, the transformation, transformation that happens via that overmarking. And it can sometimes start off quite tentative and then it progressively gets more, I get more outrageous as I go um, along. I think, you know, I had hands and feet and toes and things there and I just ended up kind of going, yeah, I don't feel like them. And, the, I'm, and it's easy to cover them when you do that kind of thing. Um, look, the, the patterning and the marking over the top is is uh, sometimes quite personal, and it's not it's there's no access for the viewer other than kind of decorative, and it's not supposed to be there. For me, I look at things like you know, from it's so it has a personal history for me. Um, how I loved my spirograph set when I got it in grade two. So there's some spirograph there. The patterning's actually a whole series of fabulous shirts that I can no longer fit into, but I'm unprepared to give away, not prepared to give away. Um, you know, this most of the patterning comes from a shirt that's this amazing French-made... Oh, no, sorry, French fabric made in Carnaby Street in the 60s. It's got the label on the back, and I used to wear it, and it's all ripped down the side because the fabric's and it, it fits somebody a much smaller frame than me. And I did I did get into it at one stage, but you know, but I'm not I'm never gonna throw that shirt out. I'm never gonna wear it again, but I'm never gonna throw that shirt out. You can imagine the the mess that I live with because of this um, ill preparedness to kind of do that. Um, this is really transitional work. The next phase I'm I don't feel like painting and drawing animals at all at the moment. I'm interested in the figure, in the human form. Um, it's a bit of a transitional work in that um, I'm now, I, I used myself more out of convenience and then all of a sudden you do a couple of works of yourself and then you've got a self-portrait series, which I really didn't embrace and didn't really see it heading that way. So I'm going to start to paint and draw other people. But um, but I haven't yet started. But this is where the new work is going. Um, perhaps, has anyone got any questions? Have I not? I don't know. Can you talk a bit about, talking about the detail mm. um, and about calligraphy and things like that? Is that something you're interested in? Or is it just... You Not specifically doing the detail because of the shirt. Yeah. Look, I started doing the detail because of the shirt. Um, the shirt, that shirt, particular shirt, has um, um, surfaced in a number of drawings. Um, uh, look, there's a few other sort of odd things. Some of it is really just doodling um, and treating the... the the skin as a palette and treating you know this this drawing as a palette as something to work onto rather than um, something in itself the colors are quite restrained there's a little bit of you know the sort of the pink and the blue kind of warm and cool working um, it's hard for me to take to detach myself from that we were talking about the craft before 
I'm very I'm very much a craftsman and I'm very aware of you know the way the colors work together and the way the lines and the flat on the 3D so all those considerations are kind of going through my mind when I'm in the process of making it this is a bit of a departure for me in that I'm I'm usually quite specific that they sit on a white page and that the white page doesn't get disturbed um, and I think this slight creep and bleed I think I'm I, you, know, you know I'm a bit tentative I like to do things in small steps you know so I think I'm moving off the white page but not completely not yet do you like looking at other people's works when they move off the page? Or do you think... Oh, I love other people's work. Yeah. No, no. I'm, I can say this, I think, quite truthfully, is that I'm, I love people who work differently to me. I'm always really excited. Um, I'm a little bit daggy like that. I, you know, I, I, I love collecting other artists' work and I, I will both, you know, collect things that by people who make work like me and things that are completely different, you know, minimal, abstract, um, you know, conceptual. I, you know. This art caper is a great game. It is. It's, it's always thoroughly engaging. Um, you know, things that I need to do, I recognise in myself that I like. I've talked about the craft. I like drawing. I like working on paper. I'm not concerned with... And, you know, drawing is um, a respected process and yet even even paying lip service to that, in a, like in a commercial sense, drawing still are worth so much less than if the same piece had been... And, you know, I find that so insulting, you know, uh, and it doesn't make me turn away from paper in any sense. I don't know why that just thought came in, but uh, I'm quite conscious of it. Um, I suppose when these works are shown in a commercial environment, um, those factors come into play. But I need to draw. And I like the fact that I, I like drawing all the details. I like you know, being precise and getting it right. And I love scribbling on it and uh, circumventing it that way as well. No, oh, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, go Rob. <laughs> I'm a little bit limited in that, um, I suppose not theoretically, but I'm, I like to work on this particular surface. Um, that particular paper. That particular paper. Okay. What sort of paper is it? It's a very, it's a, a hot pressed sized um, heavyweight ash French paper. Um, it's just those very smooth heavyweight papers uh, don't come in you know, big sizes. I've worked on the roll, rolled version and I do sometimes. Um, I'm a little bit limited in space. My studio is a table in my house. Um, but that is a paper, that's almost a paper size. So, and that's okay because I'm, 
I'm confined in terms of my my physical surroundings at home um, on the, the places that I work. But I don't really, you know, it's interesting because I've gone up to this scale. I've always worked a little bit smaller. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I've done this scale almost. Uh, the next series of work that I'm thinking about, it's always about the next thing for me. Um, I want to make the figures life-size, but they may not be all, they may be cropped. They may be, you know, part figure. Um, I have no real, and also the time, you know, probably, you know, in total this would take a, a few weeks to make because it's quite time-consuming, quite laborious process. Um, and that's why I kind of do hope people get up and have a close and personal look. I love having that kind of experience with other people's work. Um, and there's kind of, I, I find it very rewarding. So it's, you know, it's personally very satisfying. You say you work on a table, do you work, so you work flat? No, uh, sorry, it's a table, but it's, it's got a slight incline. It's a drafting table. Drafting table. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no. Uh, it's various stages. You can see this one's been vertical. Um, but, and partly with this size, I think that's part, working vertical is just not fun. And it's kind of a bit excruciating when you're doing that fine kind of work. And because the head's at the top of the page, there's leaning down, if it was on the incline, I'd be leaning over. I'm not a tall person. It's a bit back-breaking. So the fine sort of features and the thing with watercolour is that it's made it's you use a brush you use water so if you have too much of that vertical kind of thing happening it does it does drip I'm happy for the drips to appear here as part of the overlay but not where I don't want them to be yes controlling and obsessive if you take nothing else away that's what you'll take away. You can edit that part out. You can edit that part out. Um, yeah. Um, other sort of materials that might be, I mean, it might just say something like multimedia. Well, it says watercolour, oil, ink. You know, there's a bit of, you know, I like going into art supply stores and treating them like candy shops, going, ooh, that gouache looks interesting. Um, so there's sort of, you know, there's some gouache, there's some airbrush on there somewhere. I can't, I'm pretty sure. No, maybe not on this one. Got an airbrush. Would that be the airbrush here? No, that's, um, that's created by wetting the paper first and then as the, um, the ink kind of descends, it, it does that soft feathering thing. But yeah, the airbrush has a similar effect. Right. But there's ink, gouache, watercolour, well, acrylic, and that's probably it. Oh, and pen. There's some, some fine liner work in there as well. So I, I've got a couple of drawers that I have beside me as I work, and I literally open them up, flip open the lids, go, ooh, yeah. So there's a very rough plan of where it's going, what kind of colours, and some of it emerges organically through the process. Some, you know, often, sometimes they'll change a little bit, but I suppose, you know, you get to a point where um, 
you have a certain degree of control over where it's going and the results that you you get. Don't want to paint a picture of it all being. I mean, if it was all just ran by the book, um, it would be very boring. But it's not. How do you know when you've finished a piece like this? For yourself, <gasps> I guess it's experience, but because um, there's a lot of open space in some ways. I'd have to say that sometimes it's just intuitive, mm. and sometimes it's there's that sense of. Mm, well, this could keep going, but at what point does it not not benefit from it? Um, you, oft- have you ever gone back and worked? Yes, often. Yeah, yeah. I've often gone back and reworked things, and I'll put them. I've got plan files. I'll put them away, and if something gets to a point where I'm undecided and or it's become difficult, I'll put it away, and. You know, sometimes there's a lot of clarity with that distance of just putting it away and then opening it up again and seeing that, you know, actually, it's all right. Or, it, no, it needs help um, and needs a bit of doctoring. So, yeah, so sometimes it's a bit of give and take. Did you plan every step before you apply everything? No. Yeah. There's a lot of... Uh, um, about the process, because I've, I've said how much I value this white paper, and, I, you know, I don't like disruptions where they shouldn't be. Um, so the white is usually quite white. I sometimes mask. So I'll draw, for example, I'll draw the... I'll do the initial pencil drawing, make all my mistakes on a piece of... Um, tracing paper or on um, cartridge paper. I'll transfer that to, to this beautiful French paper so I don't. Then I'll cut out from the cartridge or the tracing paper the design so that I mask. And so then I have control. I can choose. Um, I, I look, I don't often, I sometimes only will only mask what I'm working with. I don't like smudges. I think the drawing's different in the transfer process rather than just drawing directly. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes. But, you know, it's the whole process of redoing it with the watercolour again. You only need a few... uh, There's not nearly as much detail in the first drawing. You know, the basics. This is where, you know, this is where a contour is. No tonal stuff, no... And, you know, quite often I'll make adjustments in the way I, I apply the watercolour. Mm-hmm. Um, so all your, that's something I've never been able to figure out. Yeah. I've never asked you. Um, so the t- all the tonals are really yeah. subtle, gorgeous. Is that watercolour? All watercolour. So I wasn't ever sure there was some pencil. No, yeah. I, look, I've played with pencil in there and it has a bit of a sheen that I don't like that says... So even like viewed from a different angle, the watercolour is very matte. So you can walk around the work and you don't get plays in light. And that's the craftsperson coming out again, that, you know, that... And I, I don't mean to imply anything, you know, negative about that. That's just, you know... I, look, I think it's... It's handy. Yeah, no, so look, if I, 
Look, I've been doing a project at the moment where I'm using you know, a whole heap of different materials, different subject. Um, so I've been doing some graphite pencil drawings um, independently and it works in a similar way, but this, you know, I like the brush. I'm comfortable, you know, comfortable with that material, that's that method. So this is the question that came up yeah. at Creek, is what makes you a drawer over a painter? Or make you Look, I see, no, I, I see no, I see no distinction whatsoever. None. Paint is just a, dis, dif, a different drawing implement. So uh, I, I find that division sort of mute. Uh, yeah, it's, it's inconsequential to me. I'm just as likely to pick, and I think that's why I use the paint. Actually, you know, I like using brushes. So I draw, but I, I use a brush to draw with. So, you know, put them in whatever box you like. Doesn't, you know, you know. I think the, the, the term drawing has come to mean like on paper. And paint has come to mean I'm generalising, but paint has come to me on canvas or board. And, um, I could easily just as work these up on canvas and board with, and I have in the past, I've done a lot of oil painting and that's my background, that's my original training. Is there a final question from anyone? <laughs> all right, thank you very much. Jennifer. That's all right. That's great, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I was very good with that thing. No, no, no. Every so often.